You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says at the start, this is the Locked On Indians podcast. I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Today's show, we're going to break into uh, two parts. The first half is going to be a look at today's game, a full count trends to see who's trending up, who's trending down, kind of see where some of the performances are. The Indians have now lost three out of four. Um, it's the it's continuing to be some very ugly baseball. The second half of the show is going to be all draft. I released players 14 through 26 on my big board. Um, I'm working my way on the, the rest of it now. I have all the names. It's just putting the stuff in. So we'll hit that. Second half is going to be all draft talk. So the Indians lost today. Um, they got continued their alarming trend of getting their uh, their backsides handed to them by a pitcher who the rest of the league has pretty much lit up every time that he has faced them. Uh, it's appropriate that uh, this game was quite the bummer for Indians fans as Aaron Bummer did replace Ronaldo Lopez when he finally came out of the game. Lopez's previous start actually came against the Indians where he allowed three runs and an eventual loss. Um... Before that, he, against Boston, had given up six. He had two good starts against Detroit. Everyone has good starts against Detroit. That is the one team with the worse offense than the uh, the Indians. And, I mean, his ERA has come down from uh, over 12 back on uh, 410 to 638 coming into this game. It dropped to 558 after this game. He's still, um, for the most part, getting lit up by anyone who is not the Cleveland Indians or the Detroit Tigers. And, I mean, he had one of the best performances of his career. Bummer came in, uh, did his part. Colome got the save. He was someone I wanted the Indians to trade for this offseason. But, again, the, the pen really isn't the concern with the Cleveland Indians right now. The pen has been probably the best thing the Cleveland Indians have. Um, with their offense being putrid, their defense cost them some games over the, um, the weekend. They're starting pitching, being hurt. The bullpen has been the saving grace of this team, which, again, is the last thing I would have expected. This offseason, when I was making up mock trades for the Indians, every single trade involved them getting a bullpen piece back in because they did not expect what we have seen so far this year. Offensively, Lindor um, it just keeps chugging, chugging along, getting better. Uh, three plate appearances, two hits and a walk, one a home run. Had both of the Indians uh, through that home, you know, he he was the cause of both of the Indians' runs scored. Um, he had the only two hits in the game for the Indians. Uh, he had one of the three walks with Martin and Kipnis. Now, one of the things that drives me nuts is lineup construction with uh, with Tito. So he finally realizes that Jose Ramirez maybe needs to be dropped in the order. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, Jose Ramirez is a better hitter than Jason Kipnis. Kipnis isn't getting dropped in the order. So that's just nonsensical there. You're going to move up Santana. Okay, that's great. Making Cargo your four hitter, a guy who can do pretty much nothing, is just... It's insane. It makes no logical sense. I mean, you're better off if you're going to do it this way. I'd rather have Ramirez two than Kipnis. If you're going to have Santana three... Bowers is your best candidate for four. I mean, at least he has, you know, he's getting on base some. I mean, you can make a case for Luplo there. Heck, I don't love Martin, but at least he's leading the team in home runs. 
cargo there. I mean, cargo is not doing anything. He is not doing one thing well. He is a, a crap show all the time. The fact that he is still on the roster is is a joke. Like he is bringing negative value to the team, and we're going to hit him fourth. And we're going to have Kipnis hitting two, who's not been uh, a productive major leaguer in almost two years. I we know Tito loves vets. It's part of the reason you know Yandy Diaz ended up getting chased out of town. But this is ridiculous I mean you look through this lineup and uh, I mean the lineup is ugly but the way it's constructed there's really no rationale for it so let's let's switch to something more positive let's see who's trending up of late who's trending down um full count trends I have my one I do every week in college baseball on 24 7 sports trending up uh Francisco Lindor it's a pretty easy one he is getting better every week as he gets healthy, and he's you know getting back from injury. His on-base percentage after his performance today is up over league average. His batting average is almost 300. His slugging, he leads the Indians in most statistical categories right now. So he is definitely on the upward trend. Jordan Leplo, um, rough night, over three with three strikeouts. Uh, some defensive gaffes over the weekend, but the bat has trended up he is doing better his on-base percentage is identical to Lindor's his slugging percentage is the second best of anyone in the lineup tonight his batting average is 267 he is a limited player you want him in there to uh for the, against the right platoons um you want him to be out there facing lefties uh you don't want him out there Going against Reynaldo Lopez, who is not a left-handed pitcher, he's not. That's not what Luplo is. Luplo is a platoon bat, and I understand the situation with um, with Naquin, but uh, Luplo going over three with three Ks tonight wasn't his fault. That's not what he does. That's not how you're supposed to use him. But when you were in the situation the Indians are, um, I mean, I'd still rather send him out there than say Carlos Gonzalez. So those, uh, that's two of the three guys trending up. And then let's give the you know the last one just to the bullpen in general. Um, such a stellar unit. Tyler Clippard's been nice. He had a strong uh, outing this evening since he was added. Nick Wetgren was one of those guys that took him a while to call up, but he has been utterly fantastic. Brad Hand might be the Indians' representative in the All-Star game, the way things are going for them at this point. Uh, Adam Simber, after looking looking like a, a disaster last year, uh, has really come along and has been an important part of this pen. Uh, Dan Otero is uh, bounced back after a down year, just being what you need him to be. Uh, outside of Oliver Perez and uh, Neil Ramirez, it's been a, a really strong, reliable group, which then leads to my issue where uh, I mean, Nick Weikrin didn't start the year with the Indians, and he's up to 14 and two-thirds innings. Uh, but Neil Ramirez at 16 innings is still, he's now fourth best on the team. They are using him less, but uh, his addition was just, it's still going to be one of those things I'm harping on months for now. But he's clearly the, the weak link in there. Uh, so I'm just going to give the bullpen in general one of those spots. This is, again, it's just a highlight for this team. They have several players, and right now it is, uh, you know, the biggest highlight in terms of this team. Uh, in terms of players trending down, 
Uh, I think I have two that stand out. The first one has to be Carlos Santana. Last 10 games, he's got six hits and maybe more striking for him, just three walks. It's a guy who normally walks more than he strikes out, and he's got six strikeouts, three walks, uh, six hits, two for extra bases. His average over the last 10 games has dropped from 315 to he is now um, at 271. He's he's had a cold streak. There's no other way around it. His performance is uh, he's still one of the better lo- bats in this lineup at this point, but uh, not quite the performance he had. And the other one is uh, good old Kevin P. Kevin Plowacki. He uh, you know I was talking about a week ago about how in terms of performance he was actually one of the Indians' better performing hitters on his short. Um, short experience uh having limited at bats but uh he's gotten a few more at bats and it's not been very good his uh his offensive production has now fallen to about the level of when you're looking at his ops it's it's not you know it's not eric stemetz level but he's in the level of uh hanley ramirez mike freeman are the two names ahead of him the two names below him let's actually go for the three names below him Jose Ramirez, Carlos Gonzalez, and Jason Kipnis. For those keeping track at home, that was your two, four, and five hitters tonight. Um, yay. So that's part of the problem with the Indians right now is it's even if Ramirez is was hitting, uh, I do not get a harp on it again. Lineup construction is awful. That's just the sad truth of it. I I am quickly uh not sure if tito is the right person to uh, handle the job in its current form and i know that may not be popular but uh yeah he's his just the way everything's playing out this year is just raising serious question marks about him in my mind hiring can be hard multiple jobs stacks of resume confusing review process but today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done ziprecruiter.com slash locked on ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matchmaking technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. This isn't just um, something where people can apply for. They have to be invited. And as we all know, an invite is better than just a cattle call. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great candidate. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter slash locked on, L-O-C. K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And we're back, and it's time for Draft Talk. I have a full count trends that went live this evening. You can go look at some of the performances from this weekend that stood out. Um, I was tired when I was working on it. So instead of a full count trends, you have a walk trends. I had four positive performances. I wrote up all of them. I had... I put them all down, and then I plan to pick the three best, and without thinking, I did four. So you get a bonus one this week. So 
looking at my list, it's always a bit different. I am heavily into stats. I'm heavily into production. I think it's a fool's errand more often than not to look at tools and think a guy is going to all of a sudden start performing who has never really performed. That's how you trade for a Lewis Brinson, who was one of those guys I've been down on pretty much from the time he's with the Texas Rangers. From the time he's with the Texas Rangers, you can go and find my review of the Brewers trade for uh, Lucroy with him, where I I kind of pointed out the fact that uh, I thought Luis Ortiz was the better prospect in that deal. But and those are the type of players uh, that still get pushed up. It's you know I, I took some flack today because I was so much lower on Bobby Witt Jr. than everybody else, and it comes down to when a hitter fails, it's because a hit tool. And Bobby Witt Jr.'s one questionable offensive tool is his hit tool. He's also old for his class. That's one of those things that stands out as another indicator of um, lessening the chances for success. So I'm looking at a lot of stuff. I'm looking at, uh, you know, a lot of it's numerical. I do sit down and kind of watch stuff, see. You know, when I'm looking at a pitcher, I, I'm looking to see if the pitches move. 99 straight just does not have as much value as 91 moving. So it's stuff like that. I am not a professional scout by any way, shape, or form, but I have spent enough time studying reviewing and going over things to the point where I've built up a good file you know there's a lot of good data I would put my draft classes up against just about anyone else's I'm finding sleepers I'm doing all that stuff there's a lot of successes are there failures absolutely um, if you're hitting 300 as a, a draft uh, person that is just as good as hitting 300 as a hitter but uh, again, I'll stand by it all at this point, and I do consider it a like a minor victory for people like me when Andrew Vaughn is still a number top three prospect on the board in spite of being a sub six foot first baseman. There was a point in time where nobody would have thought that could happen, no matter what he did. So on the big board today, uh, it leads off with uh, Shayla Engeliers. Someone I've never been super high on compared to the crowd, but at this point it's weird because it's almost turning back around. Langoliers missed time with a handmade injury, which is interesting because handmade's at power, but he is on track to have a new career high in home runs. Um, he is a strong defender behind the plate. He has a really strong arm. There is above average to plus power there. He's basically, offensively, he's doing everything I wanted to see him do with just a shorter period. But he was a guy who had top five hype, top three hype um, before the season began. And he's got to be creeping back up there. Um, performance matters, and his performance is standing out right now. Josh Jung is next. Um, and there are all of my ums. Yeah, he's going to hit for average. We've seen he walks. I don't know how much power is going to come. Uh, it's a safe profile at third base, but it's not one of those that particularly stood out for excitement. But I think he's a bit safer. Seth Johnson's one of those guys who just keeps rising the Campbell arm. I consider it a huge advantage that he's already hitting upper 90s with very little coaching and very little experience. You get to mold him. You don't have uh, tons of wear and tear on the shoulder. You don't have the bad habits. You're getting a guy who's up to 98, who shows multiple working pitches, who's not going to be 21 until September, and is an excellent athlete. I mean, this is a guy who was a shortstop for the previous two years. Um, if you trust in your development, Seth Johnson, there's a definitely a world where he's the best pitcher in this class uh, 10 years from now. The, the bare-bones stuff is there. You just have to trust your ability to develop that. 
Michael Bush, the uh, poor man's Andrew Vaughn, hits for power, probably is going to play at first, doesn't always necessarily hit for average in uh, so far at UNC. Uh, You're betting on the power and hoping that there'll be enough with the bat to be an above average first baseman, or maybe he can stick in the outfield. Matthew Allen is my first prep arm. It's really close between him and Quinn Prester. Uh, Allen's several months younger and has his uh, changeup is a little better developed, and that's enough to give him the edge over Prester, who's a really interesting athlete, really interesting player, and I would not be shocked if he ended up being the first prep arm. He was at 19, 20. Will Wilson, the uh, shortstop from NC State, who's been extremely productive there uh puts up big home run numbers he has been a 300 hitter every year he's probably going to play probably going to play second base i don't see a world where he plays short i mean across the board the tools are average or below so you're betting on that power potential and the bat in general to carry him uh he doesn't walk at a high percentage so that is a bit of a concern, and we have seen some NC State hitters um, hit for power. The park is conducive for that, and we have not seen a lot of success for a lot of the guys who have come from there. That is also a concern when there is a park that's conducive, and then they go to other environments. Jackson Rutledge is next. I am a heightist. I get nervous about anyone his size, which is six foot eight. Um, he throws really hard. He has multiple. He has up to three pitches that could end up being plus. Very high ceiling, but tall pitchers. It is. I think that you have a better chance of finding success regularly with a sub six foot pitcher than you do someone six eight. And that is my concern with Rutledge is just his sheer mass. Gunnar Henderson. Uh, I compared him physically to Corey Seager. Now, obviously, if I thought he was a Corey Seager player he would be the number one player on my board he would not be at 22 but uh, interesting talent ascending physically he reminds me of Seager um, that's you know the the 1% outcome when you're looking at things it's very unlikely him and Volpe are definitely trending up right now uh, next up was Maurice Hampton the outfielder who was the Mr. Tennessee for football he's committed to go to LSU and play corner as a four-star recruit and to play baseball. He is one of the youngest players in the class. He's another one of those guys that uh, you trust you can develop and mold because the basic tools could be something special. Cameron Meisner, who I was super high on in January and is sliding down, he put up good numbers last year, but he missed a significant amount of SEC play. This year he struggled in SEC play. Uh, Tons of walks. Looks like a potential three outcomes player. He's uh, been playing some center field this year. Uh, interesting player. A lot of risk inherent in that profile, though. Cody Hose is the next player up. A uh, real interesting player in the regard that you know he was taken by the uh, Kansas City Royals a year ago as a draft-eligible sophomore. 1,052nd overall pick. He went back to Tulane, and he did pretty well in the Cape, but just 
turned into Superman, as I wrote in the article. Everything is up. Now, a lot of times we see when the home runs jump that his doubles go doubles on players go down because some of those doubles are turning into home runs. It's not the case. His doubles are up. His home runs are up. He's hitting over 400 this year. He's just everything about him is significantly changed, and the overall profile is he's doing everything this year. Uh, and he's, I mean, he's viewed as someone who can stick and play at third base, which is another advantage for him. And I ended with uh, Brennan Malone, who back in January was my number one prep arm. My number two prep arm, Hunter Barco, back then will be in the uh, the next 13 players. But uh, Malone is a big bag of tools, bet on athleticism with pitchers. I think it helps him stay healthy in the long run. There's a lot of things to like. I think there's just more inherent risk with him than with the previous two arms. I think the other two are have a little bit more current stuff right now in terms of their development and what they offer. And there we go. So the we had some Indians talk at the start, and then I went through the entire uh, second part of my big board. The third part will release later this week, as well the fourth part when it's all said and done. We'll have 52 players up. Um, on the site and before the draft we'll be north of 100 i always go over 100 every year so you can go over 24 7 sports scouting baseball is my site and you can see what i have to say about the draft uh, and as always you can download listen sp- subscribe to locked on indians to hear me discuss the cleveland indians thank you for listening and as always go tribe